0: Healing from emotional abuse isn't a Band-Aid situation, but it doesn't have to take years either. The lives of millions of other survivors around the world have been impacted by their narcissist. Yours doesn't have to. To show you how to live a free, confident, and peaceful life, your host and founder of the Healing from Emotional Abuse philosophy, Marissa F. Cohen.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a very special... Tag Team Edition of the BCP slash Breaking Through Our Silent Podcast Connection. Uh, looks like we got ourselves a little mini-series here. You know, we're talking about the hashtag speaking out movement going on right now on social media in the wrestling world. Something that really needs to be talked about. We're having some open and honest discussions. And of course, I'd like to welcome to the show my tag team partner, the good sister, and multiple time Amazon best-selling award-winning author, Miss Marissa Cohen. What's up, Marissa?
2: Hey, how are you
1: doing? Doing well. All things considered in this 2020 world <laughs> doing okay. How about you?
2: Oh no, I totally hear that. And I'm super excited that uh, hashtag speaking out is blowing up. I mean, like this is, this is insane. It's all you see on Twitter. It's all you see all over social media, which is fantastic. I'm not happy it happens, but I'm happy that people are finally speaking about it. That is so important.
1: Yeah, I think that's what we need to do. And I think, uh, what what did you call it? Hashtag breaking through the speaking out movement. Is that what we're calling this?
2: I think it was breaking through the hashtag speaking out movement.
1: That's it. See, this is why you're here. All right, good. <laughs> I can do the wrestling stuff, though. So this is, a, this is an awesome tag team. Um, and before I give you the hot tag, uh, I think we'll uh, – introduce our guest at this time. I'm super excited for this one. Someone who is super passionate about the business and what's going on in it right now. Um, This is long overdue, but please welcome back to the show working with the likes of WSU, Super Crazy Wrestling, and Modern Vintage, ring announcer, commentator, and all-time superstar, Miss Rissa Pappas. Rissa, what's up, how are you?
3: Oh, I'm so glad to be back talking to you. And Marissa, I'm really excited to talk to you because I know that you have a ton of insights into this area in general. So I'm hoping that we can kind of bring that expertise in with the wrestling expertise and hopefully bring some things to light that may click with some people and maybe there's some takeaways. Um, You know, (laughs) cautiously hopeful that people can learn from all of this. So I'm really happy to talk about it.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for a few minutes. And real quick, just to get a little background on you, uh, for people who don't know you yet, Rissa, tell us a little bit about your work in the business and then also outside of the ring as well.
3: Yeah, so um, in the business, I do um, ring announcing for Super Crazy Pro Wrestling for WSU. I used to work for another organization called SWF, which I don't know if that exists anymore. Um, but I, I've, I've been around for a little bit as a ring announcer. I've done commentary for a couple of promotions as well. And um, I was supposed to have a show um, this past weekend and then ended up getting canceled at the last minute. So like it's wrestling is restarting. It's, it's in fits and starts that it's coming back. But I, I hope to be back on that circuit again soon doing what I love, because I really do love it. Um, and in terms of what I do the rest of the time, um, My, uh, I've I've kind of been interested in women's issues and feminism and all that kind of stuff because obviously I have uh, a good reason to be interested in it. So I've been kind of a, you know, a, a amateur scholar researcher of sorts for these issues for a really long time. But also my job, my, you know, shoot job, my day job is for a nonprofit focused on women's workplace inclusion and equity. And diversity and all those good things. And so we, you know, it's, it's my day to day thinking about this kind of thing. And so when, when this hashtag speaking out movement started, I was kind of like, thank God, (laughs) because from my perspective, I've been, every time I would go to a show, I'm noticing all these things. And I'm like, well, that's not cool. And that's not cool. And that's kind of wrong, but I'm not going to say anything because everybody else seems okay with it and I don't want to immediately alienate myself. And I think that's kind of the experience that a ton of women in this business have had. So I'm hardly, you know, it's, it's not very boo-hoo me, like this is, this is very common of an experience to have. Um, but I, as much as it's really terrible that all of these people have experienced these terrible incidents of harassment, outright assault, stalking, uh, manipulation, coercion, all that kind of terrible stuff. At the same time, this conversation is like 30, 40 years overdue. So I'm glad we're <laughs> having it even though it's very late.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and I'll, man, so many things I want to ask you. Rissa. I'll, I'll start with this. Um, you mentioned, you know, Women or not, I shouldn't say women, you know, it does, it does go both ways. You know, obviously, I think it is a majority of women that we're seeing speaking out right now. Um, we also, you know, also saw Keith Lee talking about a situation where he was, I guess, drugged in a drink, he woke up in a hotel room. So it, um, it's really crazy right now. But you talk about people not saying anything. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think that is because, and I think uh, Linda had said on our, our last podcast, they, they would be viewed at as difficult to work with or not playing the game or paying their dues. Do you kind of think that's part of the equation?
3: Yeah, so you've touched on a couple of things there that I think are big causes of this problem. And I I really, you know, I, you know, um, Daisy DeVille, Linda, Linda um, she has way more years in this business than I do. And I think she spoke really well about some of the general day to day experiences that women have. I haven't been here long enough. I'm very lucky. I've never really had to deal with the majority of the things that I've been hearing about. I've had, you know, like low level sexual harassment, like people saying inappropriate things to me, people pulling me into a hug that I was not trying to have with them. Um, that's really kind of been the extent of my experience. But I'm also way older. I'm not a trainee. I'm not. I'm not put under any pressure. Like I can just leave, and it and it doesn't affect me at all. Like I would rather be doing it. But if that's the situation that I walk into and I'm not comfortable, I'm just going to leave. I'm not trying to make this my career. This isn't my dream. You know what I mean? Like I'm not paying thousands of dollars to a training school. But a lot of these wrestlers are. And when you're put in that kind of situation, why would you want to speak out against people who are totally showing you by accepting that behavior that it's normal and that you should expect it? So th- it's counterintuitive for you to speak up. So th- there's been a lot of really great supportive statements that people have been making, but there's been just as many people making the basically like, well, you were asking for it argument, which is really toxic and crappy, but you know uh, that's pretty obvious. But I, I think that there's... The the issue is that there's a huge disconnect, I think, between those little things and then full-on outright assaults and and things like that happening. That's what I feel personally um, is the biggest problem, is that there is a huge disconnect between those tiny individual behaviors that are tolerated and no one nips them in the bud. And then that's what causes that culture of, well, we didn't say anything before. We're not going to say anything now. And then it gets worse and then it gets worse and then it gets worse. And so um I think that has to do with a lot of things. One of those, and it creates a, a toxic culture, but it creates that culture of silence. And that's what really, that's why the hashtag speaking out thing, like there's not, it's not a, um, you know, it's not a coincidence that it's called that it's the fact that nobody was saying anything, and now we've reached this tipping point that people can't not say anything. So um, I wanna I want to kind of just rattle off a quick list, if that's okay. Uh, yeah, please,
1: that's why you're that. here.
3: Yeah, I've been thinking about this, like the things that I think contribute to this perfect storm of toxicity in wrestling. And one of those things is assumption of shared knowledge. So, I see something happen in the locker room, I assume that other people have seen this behavior from this person before, and that by no one having checked this person already, that they know about it and are choosing to do nothing. So now I know that if that's okay with them, then I'm not safe. And that's obviously very terrible. But there's kind of this assumption in the locker room that if one person saw it, it's in the locker room, everybody could have seen it, And and that's not necessarily true. There's a lot of things that can happen really quickly, really quietly that not everybody was privy to because everybody's in their own world when they're in a locker room. They're, you know, they're talking about how how their match is going to go or they're just BSing with their friends or they're on the phone or whatever it is. So I think that people kind of make this mistake of assuming that because they saw it, other people must have seen it and someone else is going to handle it. That's not true. Um... Mm. The the A huge factor, obviously, is a total lack of structure and a total lack of oversight. Um, I think what a lot of people have done, because WWE is the pinnacle, the biggest, the ultimate, I think that people have tried in their individual indie wrestling promotions to model off of WWE. But they also don't have the money that WWE has. So they're concerned with making money the way WWE has. They're not concerned with all the huge amount of infrastructure that WWE has. And I'm not saying that WWE is doing a great job. They're doing a huh. terrible job. They're doing one of, they're setting the worst example. Like they are not, they are not setting goalposts that anybody should be going for. The only goalpost, I think, is probably capital, like how much money that they're making. That's the only thing that people should be applauding them for. And you can make the argument that they're making the majority of their money, you know, by terrible means, such as not providing insurance for their employees and other underhanded crappy tactics. So um, there's no structure of any kind like W... Like, there's no human resources in in the arrest. There's no... um, There's no... uh, there's colloquially, colloquially, there's a term called locker room leader. And that's a person who you kind of, who kind of steps up and takes charge of a locker room at any given time. And, you know, kind of lays down the law. I don't usually see that person in Mm. my, in my time. And I haven't been in like a billion locker rooms or anything, but in the time that I've been around, there hasn't been that person. I've never really seen someone step up and take charge. I've rarely seen people be like, okay, pre-show meeting. And even then, when there's a pre-show meeting, they're not talking about like, Hey, if you feel uncomfortable, like no one has ever said that to me. No one has ever asked me if there was someone that I was, that I was uncomfortable working with. No one has ever asked me if there was something I was uncomfortable doing. It's always been me having to assert myself and say, I'm not comfortable with that. So they're not asking these questions because they don't know that they should be because they haven't they haven't dealt with any kind of actual structure. They're just doing this very indie, very grunge, very punk, very garage, which is scrappy and underdoggy and cute as a story. But realistically, it's like, you're dealing with human beings who can get hurt in multiple ways. You gotta be a little bit smarter than that. And there is no precedent set for that. You're either in WWE where it's an actual corporation or you're working out of somebody's house and you know booking a venue at a fire hall it's not the same thing at all um yeah there's also the issue of paying your dues um i'm sure you've heard that Mm -hmm. Um, it's very specific to wrestling paying your dues and the problem with paying your dues combined with the lack of uh any kind of oversight the lack of somebody being in charge of handling people um is that paying your dues can be applied to anything. Most people think of it as like, well, you have to set up and take down the ring. You're paying your dues. Yeah. Um, You know, I've set up and taken down the ring before I'm a ring announcer. Theoretically, that's not my job. I've done it though, because we're all putting on a show together. You know, step up and help out. And there's nothing wrong with that, like can do attitude, be a team player, but paying your dues can involve hazing, Paying your dues can involve coercion paying your dues can involve just you know someone just treating you like garbage it's never happened to me but some of the stories that I've been reading are horrifying so there's that um, and then there's the idea of the the there's this kind of general I don't even know how to say this and maybe you guys will be familiar with this but like the chick who can hang you know what I'm saying like the the yeah. girl who is like a tomboy and hangs out with guys and she's she's a girl, you know, but like she rolls with us, like she's cool. And that woman, like just the general being in the minority all the time. There are so few women's only wrestling organizations in this country. So few of them. There's like four. And so in the majority of locker rooms there's uh linda was saying i heard her mention like yeah there's probably like four to six women in each show like that's a tiny amount of women so we're not going to make a big deal about the fact that you didn't give us our own locker room we're not going to make a big deal about that because then we're as you said difficult to work with which you don't want to hear that so this this whole mentality of like yeah well she's like one of us and whatever And and then it kind of becomes like well If you're really cool, and this is not anything that anybody's actually saying, because then it would sound like a '80s high school movie bad guy. But like, (laughs) like but you know what I'm saying? Like, no one's coming out and saying like, "Well, if you're one of us, then you'll go do this." Like, it's not, it's not so (laughs) overt. But that's the thinking. There are things that men and others think about that they don't know that they're thinking about, and then it kind of becomes like a prove yourself kind of mentality. Then all of a sudden, the chick. Of the group has to pay more dues harder than everybody else she's singled out and you can you can make the argument like some people have said like oh well we don't treat women any differently and that's stupid you should be treating them differently Um, you should absolutely be treating them differently you should be taking special considerations because women are not men I don't I don't know that that's breaking news or anything but apparently to some people it is Women are not men. You need to give women their own locker room. You need to protect women from men because as we've seen in shocking and overwhelming numbers, they're being victimized. And it's obviously, you know, I'm not saying that it's all men and I'm not saying that, you know, women are the only victims, not at all. Um, anecdotally from my own experience though, this is what I'm seeing. Um, and I want to, Marissa, are you, um, are you familiar with the, the pyramid of sexual violence? Um,
2: I'm not sure exactly what you mean by pyramid, but if you start to elaborate, I'm, I'm probably pretty familiar. If you
3: So if you like Google it, there's like 30 different versions of it online. I was looking for them trying to be like, well, which one's the one that says the most things I like? Um, but it's <laughs> basically kind of this pyramid um, showing that at the very bottom, the base of sexual violence, it starts with attitudes and beliefs that people have, like slut shaming and bragging about having had sex with somebody and like locker room talk, that famous locker room talk. And then it kind of goes on from there. And suddenly it becomes normal to cat call a woman or comment on her body when she didn't ask you to, or follow a woman around, or like stalk them on social media. So then, and then it escalates from there and then it suddenly becomes like actual coercion or like what happened to Keith Lee, like drugging, being drugged and groping someone without their consent. And then it gets worse and worse and worse from there. And there is a huge disconnect from just making comments or like sharing memes that call women bitches or whatever. Like there's, there's a complete disconnect from that general attitude problem to these horrible accounts that we're hearing out in the speaking out movement. So there's men don't seem to understand that when they're sharing harmful memes or talking crap on a woman or posting a picture of her and talking about her appearance, like that is normalization that's setting the stage for further violence to be enacted on, on, on women and other people. And I don't. That's, that's, I think, kind of the biggest problem because wrestlers are on social media 24 hours a day talking shit. It's their favorite thing to do when they're not wrestling. Any of them will tell you that. And if they won't, they're a liar. So, <laughs> Because it's part of, but, but listen, there's a good reason for it. I'm not saying that like, they're all just chatty Cathy's. Like, there's a really good reason for it. They have a lot of time sometimes between shows where they're setting up angles. So they'll use social media to further storylines, which is really a brilliant use of social media. However, there's also people who think, well, because like 20 people know who I am, I can say whatever I want all the time and people will really want to know what my opinion is, um, which is narcissistic and silly. But they'll, you know, every time they like retweet or share something that's rude to women i'm like they have no idea they think that they're just like oh women be like that sometimes like that's what they think they're doing and it's so easy to do it it's instantaneous yeah i agree with that share and they're not understanding that that's perpetuating more of what eventually becomes actual
2: violence toward women um and i I mean go ahead no, sorry. Um I just wanna say that first first and foremost, I love listening to you talk. I can listen to you talk about this all day. You're just like very I'm sorry, I've been going on and on and on. I'm so sorry. No no no. I'm I'm not I'm not saying that at all. Like I'm actually just sitting here taking a ton of notes on everything you're saying um i want to address the pyramid really really quick though um i refer to that as a staircase because it's all about pushing boundaries right so if you're validated at the very lowest level you're going to take a step forward and push a boundary it's it's human nature but abusers do it in a really awful way so like you were saying you know putting something on social media and getting 100 likes on it and then getting a couple shares Whether or not you have a bunch of comments that are like, wow, that was a really horrible thing to say, or like you should stop saying shit like that, those people are easy to write off because the other hundred people that liked it are validating that thought. So then it gets further and further and further, and that's how it keeps progressing. And it's Mm -hmm. the same people that, like you said, that start with making derogatory comments towards women or towards people. And then, you know, start sharing other things that are a little bit more explicit, little by little, they're pushing that boundary to see what they can get away with until they're, you know, drugging somebody or raping somebody or abusing somebody or making awful, humiliating comments in locker rooms because there's no protection in there. Like it's all, I, I don't consider that a, a a pyramid. I consider that a staircase because you can always go back down the staircase you know what I mean? But you just yes. somebody forward. checks you and
3: goes, hey, that's not cool, man. And then you're knocked back a peg. And then it's like, oh, well, then I'll just go back to sharing crappy memes.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
3: And then eventually I'll push it again. And maybe this time somebody will not feel like shutting me down because it's awkward or whatever. And now I've gotten a step further. Now I've gotten away with more. And now I'm setting the stage to escalate further.
2: Exactly. And it's a disgusting, it's a disgusting uh, cycle, right? So if, if you're validated by, if I put something awful online and I'm validated by 20 people that I respect, but told, you know, that what I put was inappropriate by hundred people that I don't respect, I'm still oh going to follow the validation bias.
3: And the people- Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? You want to hear good things about yourself. You want to be told that you're doing the right thing. So you're only going to listen to those people. You're not going to want to listen to your critics. They become, quote unquote, haters. And I don't pay attention to haters.
2: Exactly. And it creates a culture of, of silence, like you said before, too. You know, if if I'm putting something awful online... And it's about you. Let's say I would never do that because I think you're super cool and I love your Facebook posts. But let's say I put something awful online about you, and you don't say anything, and other people don't say anything. It like perpetuates that thought of okay, well I can keep getting away with this, and it just gets worse and worse.
3: And that's the that's I think kind of the biggest thing. And to to me, and I think to a lot of other um, women or people in the LGBTQ community who have to deal with this kind of crap day in and day out. Um, it's one, like, I have really far-reaching vision. When I see someone saying, well, you know, boys will be boys, and making that excuse, I see the end. I see how far it can possibly go from there. I see it going to, well, eventually that person might murder somebody. Because it's not a stretch for me. That's, that's seeing the inevitable end when you're allowed to take that kind of attitude and spin it into an actual physical expression of violence like it's it's you know the what is the expression that the uh, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line like where do you think that these people come from they're not they don't just have like a switch that gets flipped one day and suddenly they think raping someone's okay that's that's not how that happens it happens by starting out saying really gross crap to people on the internet In anonymity because you can get away with saying whatever you want on the internet because our laws in this country have like zero accountability for that. And then it gets worse and worse and worse from there. And I think men don't have that perspective. Men are really short-sighted about it. They'll just take that one thing that they said and be like, Well, what I said wasn't even that big of a deal. And it's like, maybe it's not. But is it possible that this isn't the only time that you shared a meme like this or said a thing like this? Is it possible? that this is one thing in a long line of you talking trash on women and normalizing women as the enemy of men. Oh, well, you know, men are sometimes rude, you know, but women, sometimes they can be bitches or sometimes they can lie and sometimes they're manipulative. And it's like, your, your personal life shouldn't be your, shouldn't create the ability for you to make such sweeping generalizations about women. Um, No one's asking you about your personal life. And it's called personal for a reason. Like keep it to yourself and keep that perspective to yourself. Don't perpetuate it. Even if you have it, like we've all been hurt by someone. Everybody's been hurt by someone. That's not an excuse to go out and try to say that all women are awful because you got cheated on. It's not, you don't, you don't get to make that assessment. I think if anything, women. Are a lot more valid when they say things like that. But of course, also, it's, you know, not all men are like that. Luckily, we have really nice, non awful guys out there. But those really nice, non awful guys, if they don't say anything in the moment when someone shares a crappy meme or says something inappropriate to a woman in front of them, they cease being allies at that moment. And I think that that, that's something that they don't necessarily think. They're like, well, I didn't do anything. It's like, you don't have to have done anything to perpetuate violence on women because you're allowing that atmosphere to exist in the first place. Like everybody's accountable. Not everybody understands that they're accountable. And when I'm saying accountable, I don't want men to think that I'm saying that they are all to blame. I'm just saying they all have a responsibility to pitch in and help out that like being an ally is
2: exactly inaction is inaction, right? Not taking a stance is still a stance. You by somebody not stepping up. If you see some like like the airport mantra, right? If you see something, say something, or mm-hmm. the, you know, it, if you if you see it, call it out, embarrass that person. I don't care, you know, if it makes you feel awkward or it makes you look bad for a minute. It's going to make you look really good. 30 seconds later that you stuck up for somebody being victimized. That's mm-hmm. it. Like if you see something, do something about it. We are, especially the wrestling world, because everybody is, everybody knows everybody. So, you know, that not only will that word travel, but like you're protecting your posse, mm-hmm. for your people, protect them. If you see something, stop it. And I think that, I think that a lot of guys Understand
3: inherently that sexual violence against women or, or anyone is like not cool I think that they don't necessarily Understand that link between what's happening in a given moment and what they will allow to happen and there's a thing called um, you know, like the uh, the uh, What's it called the dilemma of like the bystander or how That's to be in effect? Yeah, or like how to be an active Bystander, and it's like you can't assume that someone else is going to say what you're thinking. And if you're thinking it and you're thinking about whether or not you should say something and speak up, chances are you should. Chances are it's scary to do so. Chances are it's going to be awkward and uncomfortable. But you know what? If you do that now, you're ensuring that the person who is being objectified or spoken to in an inappropriate way, you're ensuring that they have been, for the moment at least, protected from that person who's saying that awful thing. And you're helping that person who said that awful thing to hopefully just not do that anymore and possibly um, reevaluate and go, okay, well, I just got yelled at by a dude, not a woman, but a dude. So maybe I should think about that. Because unfortunately, um, there's a lot of men talking over women not listening to women the tone of our voices are higher like they tune us out they've been conditioned to it's a whole thing like i'm not trying to it's it sucks because men are also victimized by the culture and they're but because they are generally more privileged in that culture than women are they don't understand that they too are being hurt by this But they're, you know, being conditioned not to listen to women. And so I think it's really important that men talk to other men and have these discussions and check each other, but also be cool about it. And just like, it doesn't have to be a huge confrontation. It doesn't have to be like, I imagine when, when people get into arguments on Facebook that they kind of feel like there's a whole bunch of people standing around going, Oh, like that's not (laughs) happening. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be that much posturing and like you want to throw down bro. Like it doesn't have to be like that. You can just be like, Hey, you know, I feel like that wasn't really cool to say. And you probably shouldn't say that. Like it's not a big deal. Just, you know, don't do that again. And then if they want to escalate it from there, then by all means go have a big long Facebook argument and waste two hours of your time. But if you don't say anything, it's not going to go anywhere. You're not not doing anything never ever ever has solved this problem. That's why we're in this mess because nobody said anything. And now it's all coming and rushing out at once and people are saying like oh it's it's the self destruction of wrestling. I've seen a lot of people say that and I'm like, wow, you guys are insane. This is the golden age of wrestling right now. This is wrestling actually joining the 21st century and being truly welcome and inclusive for the first time ever, this is suddenly becoming a huge priority. Like (laughs) corporate America has had this revelation. I mean, it happens every generation, but like corporate America has been on top of this corporate social responsibility thing for a minute. Wrestling's just getting on this tip now. Like this is a great time for wrestling because we're actually having these conversations. Like this could go a really great way. The self-destruction of wrestling comes when people go, yeah, okay, we know all that. And obviously the culture of wrestling is so toxic that there's nothing we can do about it. So, hey, let's just go back to running shows. You know what I mean? Like that's the destruction. That's when things are, you know, like the ship is too far sunk. We can't possibly bail it out. Now we're done and i don't think that we're there i think that we're i think that we're flying high i think that this is a great thing like this is exactly what wrestling needed and mm. i i hope that i'm not the only person who who thinks about it that way
1: that's, that's actually a great way to look at it. I like what you're saying, Risa. And um, I want to rewind a little bit, if that's okay. Um, you know, I, I think we all kind of say, like, we're not surprised. Uh, when I brought this to Marissa's attention, I remember Marissa saying, like, are you surprised? You know, like, you know, in the world of athletics or pro wrestling, you know, which I guess pro wrestling is a unique situation with a lot of the the men and women athletes and all that. Um you know, we, I guess overall, we're all not super surprised, but Rissa, you know, let's rewind a little bit. You know, we see this movement taking off on Twitter. We see some of these big names. We've been pretty good about not naming names on this, and that doesn't have to be the case, but we've been pretty good about it uh, on on this podcast so far. It's just kind of the way it's been, but, you know, certainly take it wherever you want, but you see some of these names. I think there were one or two. I was like, yeah, that that checks out. That makes a lot of sense. And then, and then there, yeah, exactly. And then, then there's some, you know, I've had people on my show that I've literally went back and deleted episodes. Like you, you see these things, um, you know, I was talking to Marissa about this last time. I think the, the stat was less than 4%, 5% are really false of these accusations and, you know, statistically speaking and all that. Marissa, you're just kind of thoughts when you see some of these specific names, you know, I'm sure you've worked with some legends or like you said, people like, X amount of people know who I am. So I have this ego and I can do whatever I want. Your kind of thoughts on, on seeing these names and you know, for me, like I was like, oh yeah, that that checks out. And some others I was like, oh man, like that breaks my heart. Like what was your kind of initial response?
2: Well,
3: I think that, I mean, to, to kind of give this a little bit of, you know, broader context, it used to be that domestic violence was not spoken about. If a guy was wailing on his wife and she had a black eye, Nobody said anything and she was entirely alone and that's horrible. Um, but that used to be very normal. And wrestling in terms of being like the rest of the world is always several decades behind in mentality because there are a bunch of older guys, former wrestlers, who came up in that world when it was very carniesque and very much about being, you know being a a putting one over on the sucker in the audience rather than trying to actually entertain people and being positive and stuff like it is now. Like, it's always been a a couple decades behind. We've always had this hush-hush kind of mentality about domestic violence. And so it makes total sense that there would be that kind of hush-hush mentality in the world of wrestling. Um, oh well, you know I heard, but you always hear the rumors, though, is the thing. Oh well, I heard so and so is this, and I heard this guy did that. I don't want to get into any names because, uh, you know, this isn't TMZ. Like people can go <laughs> on Twitter and see. Like there's there's literally uh, like a Google Doc somewhere that has all of them in alphabetical order with links to the actual accusations. So it's like you can find this stuff if you if you want if you're curious. Like. You know and this this is a great new resource by the way if you're if you're a promoter and you're trying to put on a show You better be checking that freaking list. You know what I mean? It's out there now. So check that list and then you know consult with god or whoever and and say okay Is it worth the draw that this person has? To to hire you know to bring this person in who might sexually harass my roster Uh, You know And maybe the accusations are kind of tame and you're like, well, my threshold is a little bit over that. So I'm going to disregard this guy. You know what? I don't know. History will ultimately be the judge. Um, but there's, there's definitely some people that I was very surprised by, but every time to go back to that domestic violence thing, every, every time there's always somebody who goes, Oh, I know that guy. He's such a nice guy. And it's like, of course he's nice to you. He's your neighbor or whatever. Mm. You're not married to this person. I mean, there's a huge, there's a, a startling number of uh, athletes in the NFL who have had domestic violence incidents. It's not surprising anymore. NFL's not cleaning it up. I mean, they just now backtracked on the Colin Kaepernick thing. So clearly they're, uh, you know, at least 10 years behind, too. Um, But but it's it's there's always going to be people who you're surprised by there's always going to be people who you're like Yeah, that guy kind of seemed like a psycho, but to that I will say It shouldn't be a surprise um, Because it's in if you look at the statistics It shouldn't surprise you at all that there are an astounding number of rapes that take place and insanely small number of rapes that are reported an even smaller number of um, of cases that go to trial, and a much smaller number of convictions. There's no incentive for people to come forward unless they're telling the truth. So when they come forward, you should absolutely believe them, but you also definitely shouldn't be surprised because it's astronomical. Like I've I hear I hear differing numbers on this, but like between one and four uh, uh, one and four, um, and I've also heard one in three women will be sexually harassed or sexually assaulted in their lifetime so when you know that the number's that high why would you ever be surprised that it's somebody who isn't outwardly nice i mean you know when you when you think about like all of the 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 avalanche of exposed um pedophilia cases in the catholic church like are you that surprised they have a direct line to god And they think that they can get away with this. So why would you be surprised that it's a person who was nice to you the one time you met them? Like, that's that's silly. Um, It's frankly silly and and naive. And women have had to grow up a lot quicker than men on this. There's no excuse for men not to tune in and get, get their mind correct about this because we live it day in and day out. And so do members of the LGBTQ community. I mean, if you come out as a little bit not straight, you are subjected to a lifetime of BS because of it. So, and from people who are otherwise very nice people. Um, but I want to say something really quickly about the what you said about people who are like, "Well, you're, I'm not surprised." Yeah. That's part of the problem, and I've said it too. There's been a couple of people who I'm like, "Yeah, I'm not surprised. That guy seems like a total psycho." I met him one time, didn't like him, my suspicions yeah. are confirmed, and it's like, "You know what? I didn't have anything specific. I didn't have anything that I could point to and be like, "Ooh, That guy just did or said or whatever. It's just a vibe. And so I think that if you get that vibe from somebody, you kind of owe it to everybody else in the wrestling community to, you know, kind of keep tabs a little bit, maybe. Um, and I'm not saying like go Gestapo on them. I'm just saying a lot of times you get a vibe about someone, you get intuition, you get this feeling where you're like, this person makes me feel unsafe. And if that's the case, you need to listen to that. Because there are a lot of people who are there's a lot of young girls in training and whatever there's countless cases of this now that have been brought to light there's been all these cases of of women saying yeah I thought he was a little creepy but everybody else was okay with him so I kind of ignored it and it's like that's the exact thing you don't ever want to ignore and it's hard because you want to be seen as a team player and you want to become part of the family and a lot of wrestling Mm-hmm. federations kind of have like a, a cult like vibe to them um where it's like you are one of us you must be one of us like that that's a real thing i've i was i was only very briefly involved but i got that vibe like okay all right it's, it's 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 more prevalent in wrestling schools where it's like you should be there every day of the week even if you're not in class at that exact moment always be around and it's like if that's the unwritten rule if that's the requirement that you just sit around all the time and just be there then you're just sitting there in harm's way with people who skeeve you out and no one should be asked to do that but unfortunately it's like well who are they going to go and put on this show who are they going to call the person who hangs around the most the person who's right in front of their face all the time so there need to be more safeguards in place at the schools like there's insanely a little oversight. And, and Daisy was bringing this up um, when you were talking to her about uh, in New Jersey specifically that the Athletic Commission, there's like, there's like no presence whatsoever. There's next to no regulation. And even in states where there is regulation, it's mostly about like, well, do you have insurance? And do you have a medical person on standby? And things like that. There's very little oversight into like the structures in place. And there are no structures in place. It's Like, well, of course, you're going to have these positions that women and, and young people are forced into where they're easy to manipulate and, and coerce because there's zero reason or there's nothing in place to, to stop that from happening. Yeah, I totally I got
2: agree. Uh, do you mind if I jump in real quick? Yeah, of course. Go, go for it. So I think you brought up a really, you you bring up a ton of good points and I just can't keep up with my note taking, but one of the, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. (laughs) No, it's great because you're covering so many great topics. Um, So one of the things I want to talk about is how you said the school, in the schools, there's like no protection or it's such a vulnerable population. You were literally, it's, I'm not in the wrestling world. The only thing I can equate it to is the military. And it's like the younglings are the most vulnerable population because they have these people in power above them in wrestling school. It's the, the teachers, the people training them. You know, those people are the people that are the segue. They're the gateway from the person training to being a professional wrestler. There's, you know, nobody else there. So they are perfect victims because you know what are they going to do they're going to go to you know a different trainer and talk about it no it's so scary Uh -uh. if you're being harassed by your by your trainer by a person you're supposed to trust like uh like linda like daisy said you know you're supposed to trust these people to throw your body in the air and catch it but you can't trust them not to abuse you you know and so that's really important to see is that the vulnerable population are the youngest people and there are no protections for them. And so like, what can we do to create that atmosphere of safety and, um, seeing something and saying something? And I also, before I forget it, want to go back to vibes. There were a ton of times in my life where I was in a situation with a person or with a group of people and I like pinpointed a person and I'm like, I don't like you. And I didn't know why, right? And it's just, I'm, it's so strong for me. I like feel that right away. And I never said anything. And then circle back five years come to find out that person is actually a horrible person and did these terrible things mm-hmm. and you know somebody came forward and spoke to me about it i'm like oh shit i went to elementary school with that person i hated them then you know what i mean yep. and so i learned to, to always call it out you don't need to call it out to the person you don't like but i'll always subtly bring it up to somebody else in the group and i i learned that way uh, that i have actually never been alone in feeling the way i felt And it made it much more comfortable for me to start calling it out all the time. So any situation I'm in, if I'm walking around with my boyfriend, or if we're better example, if we're in a group with like a bunch of people I don't know or a bunch of people mixed that I know and don't know, and I don't like someone, I'll turn to my boyfriend and be like, Hey, do you get a weird feeling from that person over there? And nine times out of ten, he'll say yes. And if he says no, then I go to someone else, usually a woman, and I'm like, hey do you feel a little weird? Like that person said this thing and it like kind of made me, my skin crawl and Mm. they'll look at me and be like, holy crap, do you read minds? And because we as humans are all connected by energy and we read that energy and we feel that energy. And so feel empowered to call it out and don't do it to, you know, and put yourself in a vulnerable situation, but, but talk to somebody that, that you trust or talk to somebody that you know, in a situation or that might know that person, just say, hey, do you get a weird, funny feeling from that person, and Mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, they'll say yes. And a lot of guys, I think,
3: are doing a disservice to themselves by not paying attention to their gut. And it usually takes a woman to bring it up before they'll be like, yeah, actually that guy's like the worst nor I don't, I'm the majority of the time, men are not the one to say that it's usually a woman has to be like pointing out kind of what I feel is the elephant in the room. And then suddenly it's like opening the floodgates like, Oh yeah, that guy seems like a piece of crap, you know? Like, (laughs) and I, I, I think it's so interesting. And I, I think men need to kind of pay attention to their gut more and go, well, wait a second. Like if, if I'm getting a weird vibe from this person, imagine what the women around me are feeling about this person. Because to, to your point, like, I don't know the the science behind it. I, I, I would never claim to have any scientific knowledge whatsoever about anything. But um, anecdotally, you know, I think most of us can kind of walk into a room with two people in it, having having just opened the door and immediately know that those two people were just arguing. You can feel it in the air. You can feel a tension. You can feel, you can pick up on, you can subconsciously kind of pick up on body language, cues and other things like, your body is an amazing machine of perception. It is taking in, insane amounts of data all the time and processing them and just because it's not something that you can see with your eyes or smell or whatever just because it's not one of the five senses doesn't mean it's not a sense doesn't mean it's not something you should pay attention to and i think if men kind of decided that they were going to tune into that more or talk to women about it more um i think that they also would be in a much better position because a lot of the times people to the Back to the point about the, the you know being an active bystander, a lot of times like someone they're just like waiting for someone else to open those blood gates. And now is not the time to wait for somebody else. You gotta you gotta jump on that now.
2: I completely agree. A hundred percent. Oh, can I bring up I, I have
3: like one more thing that I I, I think it's kind of important to bring up because I think maybe it'll help some people. Um,
1: Absolutely.
3: I think there's there's a bit of a a problem with for men who can't maybe kind of can't comprehend that women view men as heroes in addition to maybe finding them attractive or whatever. Um, and and Daisy kind of brought this up that like she had to go pick up somebody from DX and it was like oh what are you gonna go do with that guy and it's like. What?! Like, when you say that kind of stuff to a woman, our, our frickin' heads spin. Because we've all kind of grown up with media that is catered to what's called the male gaze. I'm sure you guys have heard of this. It's, like, pretty ubiquitous at this point. But the, the male gaze is the, that the audience, the intended audience of, of, of visual media is a heterosexual, cisgendered man. Because those are the people who are making the movies so subconsciously they're making them for themselves as the audience and um we you know it's a gift the male gaze is a gift for women because we understand now looking at things through men's eyes constantly because there's very little media that's made for us that you know men are looking at us as objects um the hero of the story always gets the girl and it's like getting the girl itself is problematic right um But women, having viewed all this media growing up um, through this male gaze, like we are able to see men being depicted on screen and and wherever else as heroes. So, men are trained to see women as objects of desire. Women, through being forced to watch everything through a male gaze, Are able to see men as both objects of desire and also as aspirational as people to look up to. Um like I may think that Jason Momoa is sexy but I also find him inspiring as like a hero figure in like Aquaman like oh he can freaking talk to fish that's really cool wish I could talk to fish or whatever and he's ripped I wish I could get ripped. So I'm able to hold these two different notions about that person in my head at once one super hot two really cool and i wish i could be more like them and men don't get that opportunity because when they see women depicted on screen they're typically only depicted on screen as something to aspire to gain like an an object or a possession rather than somebody to look up to and so i think men are kind of Shorthanded a little bit by the, the male gaze in media because it's like do you ever see a woman besides like maybe your mom? You know if you're like a really nice person and you care about your family like do you? You know, can you can, I don't know that men can really Understand that they can be both attracted to a woman and also think that she's a hero and someone that they want to be like like if you ask a bunch of men who their heroes are they'll say this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. If you ask a woman who their heroes are, they'll probably mention other women, but they'll probably also mention some men. And so I think um, men men don't understand that women can have two separate kind of complementary views about male heroes. So they don't, when they, when that woman comes into the locker room and they're talking about how much they love so-and-so male wrestler, they assume that it's the same way that they would look at a woman wrestler, which is in like a sexual way or like an objectifying kind of way, instead of being like, oh, she's looking at this male wrestler the way I look at that male wrestler, which is grew up watching them on TV and they're my hero. So I think that's another thing that maybe, the, the kind of lack of understanding about that ends up being detrimental to men and, and I wish it wasn't like I would love for men to be able to rattle off a list of their heroes and have some women on it. And unfortunately, that's rarely the case in my experience.
1: Uh, Risa, I have so many questions for you real quick. I just wanted to say this kind of piggybacking off uh, something Marissa was saying earlier. Um, you know, you referred to kind of like the kids coming up in the army and such. Uh, we talked about this on the last podcast, but you know, on, on our show, we, we try to help the careers of these kids that are coming up. And, you know, a lot of my experiences uh with these kids have been so positive and, and, you know, I do worry about them, um, you know, I, I even asked, you know, one of them, like, how do you stay so humble? You know, I see who you roll with. And, you know, th- these people are definitely going to be on TV. They're going to be the stars of tomorrow. We we want to support them. Um, what are your kind of thoughts on, like, us having these conversations now and how that might help them? Like, what do you think the future is going to look like for these kids? Is it going to be a lot of the same? Um, are they going to be better than, than we were? Not Not like we are doing these things, but our generation, I should say.
3: I mean, if you look at Gen Z, they're already the most tolerant generation out of all of the generations by by miles. They're already way more tuned in. They like, you know, you know, peop- they have friends who are bisexual, they have friends who are non-binary, they have friends who are are trans. Like, there, it's not really nearly as much of an issue for a lot of them anymore. Obviously, I don't want to make too many sweeping generalizations, but I think that they're already kind of primed and ready. To see the world in that better, more equitable way, the only thing that can knock that down is the people that they look up to, that they work with in wrestling schools, and that they get into the ring with the the old heads, the, the you know the the veterans. If you know, there's a lot of veterans who spend the majority of their time. And when I say veterans, I mean of wrestling, not actual veterans. Um, that they spend a lot of their time just complaining about the young people. And it's like, you sound much older than you are. And you're also not helping things. And every time you take it upon yourself to knock them down a peg, you're teaching them that their mentality is wrong. And so there is hope for the new generation of talent coming in. Like, yes, they're young. And so they're, uh, you know, cocky and obnoxious, like who wasn't cocky and obnoxious when they were 17 years old or 21 years old. Like, come on, it's, you know, they, they, they tend to kind of get a bad rap, but that's just the way that generations tend to interact with each other. Right. Like kids these days, like that's, you know, that's such a common refrain, but in this time we have an opportunity here for things to get so much better than they are and for people to feel safer and for people to be included and for a diverse group of people to be able to show off and um, normalize that kind of diversity for future generations. Like, this is all really great stuff. Um, the, the people in the locker rooms who have been around a while, instead of being salty dogs about it, they need to embrace it they need to encourage these younger talents and they need to not make them try to feel as jaded as they are because there's a lot of you know chip on the shoulder mentality in the locker room unfortunately and it's it doesn't just you know just because you're crabby doesn't mean that you should try to affect younger people who are bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and make them feel crappy too and unfortunately I think that there's a lot of that and that's that's the danger I think that I think that this new generation of wrestlers has a lot of promise, and I think that they can actually conduct themselves much better, so long as that talent and that, that mentality of equality is nurtured rather than, you know, shit on
1: yeah and i think it's up to like a lot of the promoters right now and we know a lot of the good ones but uh you know to kind of step up or you know the veterans even to, in the business to step up a little bit and you know hopefully you know just having these discussions will all pay off in a very positive way and, um and put, we,
3: and put more women in the in the, the the main positions in the organization if you don't have a woman high up in your organization who's in the room with you helping you make decisions you're gonna have blind spots that you don't even know about and that's that's common in corporate America, too. There's a big discussion about like women being on corporate boards and how there's very few of them. That's a known problem that they're working on. That's something that every wrestling promotion should be working on, too. If it's just a bunch of old white guys sitting in a room, you're not going to be including everyone, even if you think you are. And that's just that's so easy to correct. Just hire a woman. Just put a woman on your on your in your you know creative team or whatever it is. That's all. It's not difficult. Just add people in. No one has to leave. No one has to lose their job. You just have to add in the voices that are missing.
1: Real quick, I wanted to ask. Uh, I'm liking this Rissa Marissa tag team here. You guys got uh, you know all the info here, but I wanted to ask you guys. Uh, Rissa, we'll start with you and then Marissa, if you have anything just to kind of add in general, maybe Rissa more from the, the business standpoint and Marissa more from like the stats and, you know, general standpoints. But let's uh, just real quick, like let's rattle off kind of like lists of things that we can do to be better. We've touched on it a little bit already, but as far as the locker rooms, maybe separate locker rooms, as far as the locker room leaders, as far as the airport pickups, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Rissa, we'll start with you.
3: Um. So, Yeah um separate locker rooms are really important the the problem with separate locker rooms is that sometimes it's like well all the actions happening in the men's locker room and then there's just two women staring at each other in the women's locker room and so i think that in addition to having a women's locker room um there needs to kind of be a space in between where everybody can kind of hang out where people are also not getting undressed at the same time because that's two totally different dynamics there that shouldn't be mixing together if you're sat there uh, you know in your boxer shorts talking to another person about your match like You know things are gonna end up getting left out Whereas if you were in an area where you were already dressed or you were just kind of standing around talking about matches Maybe you would end up being like oh so-and-so is here. We should get her involved in this angle Whereas like if they weren't in the room with you because you're doing all of your strategizing in the locker room So that's a that's a thing too It's not just about separate locker rooms because that can actually end up being detrimental to women Unfortunately, it's about making a communal space that doesn't involve de cloaking and you know, like that kind of potentially compromising action that's taking place. So that's something. Um, in terms of picking people up from the airport, I I don't I don't know. Like I haven't had to deal with that personally, but um, you know, there should probably be at least two people that go and pick somebody up from the airport. That just doesn't that doesn't seem like too much to ask. Um, Add on as I said add a woman on to the creative team add a woman on as the as the locker room leader Like make co-captains or something I don't know But you need to add more women who are given authority and then that authority is bolstered by the other Men that are also in charge that needs to be validated and it needs to be authenticated If you just say oh talk to so-and-so if you have problems and then they look, you know, demure and scared to be there just as much as you are. Well, that's obviously not going to be very effective. You're not going to have confidence in that person. So the whole organization has to back that person up. Um, codes of conduct that people have to sign that say sexual harassment of any kind is is the zero tolerance policy. Um, I think that not allowing people to show up high is probably a good idea. There's a lot more of that than you would think, especially when people you're talking about taking another person's life in your hands and yeah. you're stoned out of your gourd. That's oh so boy. stupid. It's so stupid. Um, and the same thing with drunk. Like if you have to get a load on before you can wrestle, you should probably, you know, go work on that. Not in the ring with another person's life in your hands. Um, so that's another one. Um, I think, I think also another really kind of no brainer thing to do is just be okay with having those kinds of uncomfortable conversations like get comfortable being uncomfortable because you know what women have been uncomfortable this whole time so As long as we're uncomfortable, men should be uncomfortable watching that kind of behavior from other men and not doing something about it. Like you need to be accountable as well. So, you know, we all have to be uncomfortable until women feel safe.
1: Very, very, uh, very good points there, uh, Rissa and Marissa, I'll throw it to you. You know, obviously, you know, you're, you're learning about all these, this, this wacky business that we love so much over here, but, you know, I asked you before, or were you surprised by all this, you know, we compare it to a lot of like athletics and stuff like that. Is there anything like uh, you could add to that or just like in general for, you know, organizations that have men and women to kind of, you know, make the future brighter and, and reduce any of these abuse or, you know, harassment issues?
2: So I'm really excited to learn about the wrestling world. I think that this is so, um, it's so cool. And it's, it's much different than I, as a third party outsider who has never actively participated or watched wrestling. Like it's so interesting. And, and, and I'm very curious to learn more about the wrestling world. Um, But as, as far as keeping people safe in the wrestling world, that's kind of where my head is at right now, um, with you guys. Yeah. And so in comparison to other, uh, professional athletic organizations, they started to, when all of these accusations started coming out in like 2018 and they started taking them seriously, not that they weren't coming out before that. But, um, I know the baseball created a program where they had a person come in and train all the players about what is appropriate and inappropriate Mm. behavior. Now think kindergarten level, excuse me, talking to somebody like you cannot touch somebody else's butt without (laughs) their explicit consent. You cannot say these things to people. I mean like very basic ground level, like this is not okay, good touch, bad touch. And it's almost like we need to take all these people and like mansplain to them how to be appropriate with other people and not, not just women, but like with other people, you know, like you can't go and slap somebody's butt because you feel like it. You can't, you know, comment on somebody's breasts that you have not had any sort of consensual conversation Mm -hmm. with, like about that with before. It just, it doesn't make sense. And it's abusive and it's a power move and that's all it is. It's about having control and power over a person. So having that, like professional training about good touch bad touch and and what's appropriate and inappropriate might be a really good tool to utilize and requiring that training be signed off before they're able to get in the ring you know and I know that it's a lot of indie stuff and like underground stuff so maybe there's no I don't know if there's like an authority that can oversee that but maybe putting something like that into practice um
3: You can hire those kinds of, you know, there are people who go around and that's their job is they just do sexual harassment training. And there's a lot of, um, you know, if you work for the state, uh, if you work for a a state, you have to go through that training. Like I had to go through it when I worked for a state university, I had to go through sexual harassment training. So like it's, it's very, it's mandated in other parts of the work world. And I think that people kind of look at wrestling as like this fun, just, you know, extra thing that we all do together. It's a hobby. It's a this, it's a that. It's like, okay, sure. But you need to be accountable to other people and keep people safe, whether it's a hobby or not. You need to make sure that everybody's on the same page about what isn't, isn't acceptable.
2: Right. I mean, I don't ever get harassed going to like a scrapbooking meeting, but if I did, (laughs) you know, I'd say something, you know, it's, a hobby, a profession, all of it, you need to always feel safe where you are and the people in charge need to put that into practice. So if you have any hot tips on who to contact for that, I'd be happy to do some training. Um, I, ah. <laughs> I also have, I have two more quick things. One, hold each other accountable. Like we were talking about before, just to recap, you know, if you see something in a locker room or you, or you hear something as a, as a human being that makes you feel uneasy talk about it and you don't need to be abrupt or rude about it, but like go to somebody that you trust or feel safe with and be like, Hey, did that bother you too? And that, that validation, because chances are it does bother them too. That validation will empower you. It'll empower you to speak up. It'll empower you to say something next time, knowing that you have another person that'll back you up. Um, and the final thing, I know we were kind of talking about uh, the different generations and how like the upcoming generation is like super awesome and I'm, I'm so in awe of, of the social change they're already making and they're like not even old enough to vote yet. So I'm mm-hmm. really excited about that. But um, I think that embracing the change, knowing that humans are resilient, like we are resilient creatures, but we do not like change. And that's why every generation has a beef with the generation below them. It's yep. because, you know, for boomers and millennials, right? Like they hate us for the most part. My parents don't hate us, but like but a lot of boomers don't like millennials because we are progressive in a different way that makes them uncomfortable.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: you know what? It sucks to suck. Like humans <laughs> Humans are resilient. We're progressive and we're a culture that wants to keep moving forward. And us and the generations below us as millennials, well, I'm a millennial. So like my generation and below us, we want to see social change. We want to see everybody having equal rights. We want to see all of these beautiful things to create a culture of acceptance and love and equality. And the people who are older than us that don't want that, get the fuck over it. Like that's, that's it, you know, embrace that change, be resilient, you know, get that stupid old school mentality out of your head. Women don't belong in the kitchen, you know, that's it. And, and embrace that and be open to it because if you're not, you're on the wrong side of history and you're about to get left behind.
3: Absolutely, what, what I think people don't understand is that this, this, is, this is a match. This is a wrestling match. This is a decades long wrestling match. There are no time limits because it's been going on since the beginning of wrestling itself, pro wrestling versus abusers and abusers you lost. You lost the match, and the stipulation of the match is loser leaves town, you're done, get the fuck out, it's over, there are no rematches. You got curb stomped by women, by LGBTQ talent, by male allies, and fans who give a shit about the talent. So get out, it's over.
2: Rusev for president, Woo!
1: so so this is so first of all thank you you know thank you rissa for coming on and sharing your thoughts and being totally open and pulling back the curtain for us a little bit um you know we do need to have these conversations i super appreciate it Uh, i know you just laid down the law but you know we do want to put you over here as well um so if anyone does want to you know hire rissa maybe in like maybe kind of a backstage leader role even but rissa does do uh commentating announcing for a lot of these great independent organizations so uh before you know we see on tv every week rissa where can people start uh, hiring you follow you on social media all that good stuff
3: yeah um so i'm i'm on twitter at rissa pappas i'm on instagram at rissa pappas um i'm on facebook.com slash rissa pappas ring announcer so you know it's me um i am findable i have a website rissa Pappas.com. it's mostly focused on the 700 other things that i do besides wrestling stuff um but you can also get a hold of me through there um and i um you know i'm not afraid to shamelessly plug myself because there's a there's (laughs) also an epidemic of women you know demurring and being like no i'm so bad at talking about myself no um i know of which i speak i'm 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 old enough that you can't push me around And that's the kind of viewpoint that a lot of people in these feds need. Feds need to wake up because obviously this is a problem. And if you don't get on top of it, you're going to get left behind. So if you don't want to get left behind, you need critical thinkers. You need out of the box thinkers. You need people who will tell you the truth. And I'm one of those people. So, um, please, and I'm very difficult to work with as in (laughs) I will tell, I will tell you, I will tell you when you're fucking up. And so um, if that's what you think you need, which if you're smart, that's what you think you need. Um, there are, I'm here. There are a lot of other um, women like me who have been dying for the chance to make an important change in this industry. So jump on it. We're here. We've been here the whole time. We've been waiting for the opportunity in which you will actually listen to us instead of just brushing us under the rug. So we're here. Come find and us. Let's and we're
2: starting the. And we're starting the hashtag difficult to work with.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes.
2: Proud Drop. to be difficult to work with.
1: Love it. All right, guys. Well, dropping the mic right there. Um, thank you guys both for a few minutes. And everyone, you know, 2020 is testing us. Let's, let's be better in 2021. You know, let's have these difficult conversations. Let's stay safe. Let's stay healthy. Let's stay positive And everyone take care of each other. All right, guys. For the BCP and breaking through our silence podcast, we are out.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, you have to check out www.MarissaFayCohen.com backslash private-coaching. That's www.MarissaFayCohen.com backslash private-coaching. Marissa would love to develop a made-for-you healing plan to heal from emotional abuse. She does all the work and you just show up. Stop feeling stuck, alone, and hurt and live a free, confident, and peaceful life. Don't forget to subscribe to the Healing from Emotional Abuse podcast and follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Marissa F. Cohen and Instagram at marissa.fay.cohen. We'd love to see you there.